Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life podcast. This is your host, Krista Bigler, private practice integrative nutritionist, helping people across the U.S. reverse digestive issues, eczema, and autoimmunity via phone and video consult. To learn more, visit lessstressednutrition.com. Now, on to the show. Today on The Less Stressed Life, we have Greg Clunas. Greg, and I hope I'm saying that right, so I'll let him correct me, but Greg is a maker, artist, entrepreneur, and content creator. He's the host, creator, and author of Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, a podcast, book, and community dedicated toward bridging the gap between the knowledge of what to do and the act of doing it, which is a big deal. That was like me this morning. I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I am anyway. His company, Tiny Ventures, focuses on creating practical solutions for business and personal improvement. Welcome to the show, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, uh, you are saying it right, which is rare, so thank you. Um, And second, let me just say to those of you listening, uh, you didn't get to hear the pre-chat, but you are in the right place listening to this show because the amount of energy that Krista brings to the table is mind-blowing. Like I'm having a hard time keeping up. So I'm, I'm honored to be here and, and uh, bringing some value to the audience and, and getting to have a conversation with you, Krista. Oh, that's so sweet. It's, I think it's the standing up. The standing desk really helps, my friend. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the reason – part of the reason we have – this is going to sound a little cheesy. Part of the reason Greg is on the show is because – his voice is a warm hug. So if nothing else, and you guys know when you're listening to an audio show, if you can't stand someone's voice, then it doesn't really matter the content, right? So so Greg is awesome because his voice is a warm hug. He delivers these short little snippets and shows. And I mean, that's really the premise of his, of his brand, right? Tiny Leaps, Big Changes. And so, you know, the whole thought of this, like the bridging, I have to repeat this, you're, you're dedicated to bridging the gap between knowledge of what to do and active doing it. Now that is a hard, that's a hard quest, my friend. Like that one is, that is (laughs) accountability. That's like, that stuff doesn't die. It's not like you get good at that and you stay on the horse and then you're never good at it again. Or, I mean, you're, you never need help with it again. Is that correct? Like people need help with this all the time. Yeah, it's fascinating because ultimately this whole thing, uh, both the podcast, the book, this this uh, journey that I'm on uh, started because I am fascinated by human behavior. Like I'm, I'm fascinated by what drives behavior, the the external factors that have, that end up having an effect on uh, what we do on a day to day basis, as well as the internal factors. And 
as I've been in this space and creating content around uh, creating change in your life, I started to realize that knowledge wasn't the issue. Like we know what to do or we can very quickly find it. The problem is acting on it. And then when you start to ask that question of, well, why aren't we acting on it? There is accountability and that's a major piece. There is sometimes a knowledge gap and that can be a problem. But most often, it's all of these tiny little things, both in our own biology and psychology and physiology and externally with the larger economy that and how what state that's in and the uh, the way you were raised and the environment you were in and the content you uh, consumed when you were five. Like there are all of these very small things that are almost invisible that affect the way you act on a day to day behavior. And so if we can start to understand a little bit more about that then we can create a plan for it as opposed to operating blindly and then trying to beat our head against a wall to get ourselves to do something when we really don't understand why it is that we're not doing it. Exactly. So I would love to know, you know, when this started, but I need to tag on to one thing you said already, the content you consumed when you were five. So I just finished this book because it was only three hours on Audible called The Biology of Belief. Maybe you've heard of it. And uh, basically, I have not actually. Okay, so you would enjoy it at the end. So the first half is cell biology. It's by a cell biologist, and he he also is a good speaker. So it's the first half is cell biology, and then he basically bridges how energy energy does affect health. Like you cannot deny it based on cell biology and quantum physics, essentially. And so he makes that kind of easy to understand. And then at the end, even though it has nothing to do with parenting, I feel like this book had the biggest impact in parenting already. And I, it, it essentially made me feel like, oh, I'm sorry, I missed the boat on that. He described the types of brain waves you're in from a small age to like as you grow. And I don't remember the first one, but it's basically you're an, I want to say between two and six, you're kind of, Maybe it's before two. You're just an observer. You assimilate thing. It's kind of why kids, when they speak and they swear, use a swear word, they know how to use it appropriately because they've already seen it and they've already downloaded it. It's just part of their nature, right? They're just mm. uh, observers. Between two and six, they reach these different kind of brainwaves. And it's similar to how we are when we wake up in the morning and when we go to sleep at night where we're kind of like in and out of it, sort of like your fake world is also your real world. Like your dream world mm -hmm. is your real world. And so that's why they love to play so much. And so the th and then post that age. Um, so I think it's at that age between two and six that they're so impressionable. If they're told you don't do this well, they start to kind of internalize that. He goes over that. Mm -hmm. And so even though it wasn't a it wasn't a parenting book, it probably had that. I like I love knowing physiology and why we are some way. So that was really impactful, I guess. No, that's incredible. I'm going to have to pick that up. Oh, it's awesome. And I love that it's so short because it's easy to get through. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's not a barrier to finishing. So, you know, that's a great question for you. This is one of my big questions for you is like, when did this start for you? Because I grew up in a fixed mindset life or childhood. Um, and that's not necessarily a knock on my parents. It's just a fact at this point. So I remember mm -hmm. the shift toward personal development, self-improvement growing my brain, and you live in this space. So I'm curious, you know, how do you create kids and humans like this? Did you grow up in a growth mindset model? Did you grow? Did you have a switch that turned on? Right. Why did this happen? Yeah, so it's interesting, because this is a question I've been uh, trying to find an answer to uh, for the past 10 years, roughly. Um, 
And the best answer I have is I didn't exactly grow up in a growth mindset sort of environment, uh, like positive psychology, personal development, all of those things. We They weren't discussed like they're not things that my parents did or my siblings did. Um, but there are a lot of different factors that pointed towards that. So what I mean is uh, the first big thing is I'm an immigrant. So I came from Jamaica when I was uh, seven, about to turn eight. And so I watched my parents. It was the classic immigrant story. My dad's first job in the U.S. was uh, picking apples on an apple orchard. And by the time that he passed uh, about a year and a half ago, he um, he was comfortably in the middle class. And And so growing up, I got to witness that that story firsthand, the like come up, pick yourself up by the bootstraps type story um, without having to experience it myself, because naturally as a child, they they did what they could to protect me from it. Um, and, and so that, I think, solidified a very unique understanding uh, at a young age that it was possible to sort of control the direction that your life went. Now, I, of course, didn't think of it as personal development or, or personal growth or anything like that. It was just it was normal for me to pack up and change something like that was what my life was. Um, and then beyond that, uh, my parents, I got incredibly, incredibly lucky in that I was always an ambitious kid. I was always like the the kid who talked about uh, one of my earliest memories is having a conversation with my mom and my aunt uh, about technology. And we we're talking about like cell phones. And I was just sort of in the room playing. And um, they said something about this big clunky phone back in the 90s. And uh, I just asked, like, when are we going to get holograms on the phones? And I don't know why I knew what a hologram was when I was probably five. But there was I, I was the type of kid that saw things on TV, saw read things in books and just wanted it to be real, wanted to make these things possible and make them exist. And, and that's sort of been a trend throughout my entire life. Uh, but the reason I say I got lucky is that whenever I came to my family with one of those crazy ideas, whether it was at a young age or in my teens or uh, right after graduating college, whenever I said, hey, I want to do this, their response was always, cool, let's do it. It was always sitting down and helping me figure out how to do it, strategizing with me. My dad would literally plan things out for me. Uh, my sister would always say, like, well, you are always different. Like, it, it, there was never like, a, oh, no, you can't do that or uh, you should go this route instead. It was always fully supportive and fully aware that I was going to do it anyway. Um, and so those two big parts of my life growing up, I think is sort of what built the foundation. But still at this point, I wasn't thinking about it as personal development. It wasn't until I was 13 and I, I spent a summer at my older brother's place in Florida. And he's uh, much older. I think he's maybe 20 or so years older than I am. Um, so he's more like a, a father figure than than a brother in, in a lot of ways, just because of the age difference. Um, but he gave me this book and uh, it was Tony Robbins. It was Awaken the Giant Within. And this was the very first like personal development, life transformation type book that I'd ever read. Um, and I remember going through it and just think it like it all clicked. Like this stuff that was sort of there my entire life 
just now it had a name. Now it had like a, a thing that I could pursue. And and so I got lost in that world at, at that age. And uh, thinking back on it now, I think 13 is an interesting place in a, a, a child's life in that right around that moment is when you are starting to decide who you are in the world and what matters to you and what's important and what your thing is. Um, and, and you're sort of choosing your favorite bands and your favorite this, this, and this. And I think because I found that book or my brother gave me that book in that sort of particular moment in my life, it sort of created the narrative for the rest of it so far, uh, which has been the last, I'm 26 going on 27 now, so roughly 14 years. Nice. I love how you painted that... 13 is that age. And I love that your brother thought you were mature enough to receive a Tony Robbins book at age 13. I didn't get that wrong. That's, that's how it went down, right? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if he specifically consciously thought, oh, he's mature enough, or if he was trying to force me to be mature enough. Like, I really don't know. Uh, If, um, if I'm being honest, the book was given to me under duress. And I was told that I had to finish reading it before I left. Uh, so it was it was an interesting summer of like, I, I didn't actually want to read it because if you've ever seen that book, it is massive. Like it is huge for no reason. Um, and, and so sitting down and like reading through it every day uh, definitely was forced a little bit. But I'm very, very glad that I did. You know, I have a confession. I've never actually read anything by Tony Robbins. He, if, if you're listening to this and you don't know this, Tony Robbins is kind of like sort of one of the greats of personal development, self-improvement back in the day. I mean, I don't know if you would consider it that, but it seems like that's kind of the he's one of the. Kind yeah, of the I mean, he's uh He's an interesting fellow. I'm definitely not uh, part of the uh, the quote unquote cult of Tony, mm-hmm. um, which there definitely is a little bit of a cultish uh, relationship to his stuff, um, or at least there's the potential for there to be. However, he he came up in a time when these sorts of messages were predominantly Uh, consumed via books and he was one of the first to go to video he was one of the first to do uh like late night telemarket or not telemarketing um the like qvc type sales for different video series on specific things and and that's sort of what built him in the i believe maybe 70s or 80s and he's just sort of parlayed that because he was one of the first it sort of allowed him to build this massive brand in a space that has since matured dramatically right i love that so some highlights from that story uh first the title awaken the giant within resonates with me a little bit because the other part of your story that really resonated was you were going to do what you wanted to do anyway which i would say i can be a lot alike and so the difference is is that your parents really helped you understand the map the path the step-by-step piece like they planned that with you whereas so often for convenience, for whatever reason, because we want to be in charge as parents, sometimes we just say, nope, can't do that. Or what? Yeah. Like, we're sometimes kind of negative Nancy's, but we don't know, realize how much that can really play into, uh, you know, the future. Like, look what happened to you mm-hmm. versus what can happen. Like, you either grow up thinking, well, no, I can't do that. Um, and actually, uh, the other piece that resonates with me is I have a 13-year-old daughter who's amazing, who's a wonderful, like, I mean, she asked for Frank Sinatra for um christmas oh, wow. and i'm like i don't know who you are but it's like she's a winner her. yeah she's she, an absolute winner yeah we're trying to go to bed last night at nine o'clock 
I know. And uh, she's downstairs, like, has the karaoke machine, because that's her only CD player, right underneath our bedroom in the basement, listening to stuff. I'm like, who? we were playing rock, paper, scissors. Like, who's going to tell her, like, turn this stuff off? It's time. Like, don't play this <laughs> underneath of us. Anyway, my point is, is uh, you've inspired me to to inspire her because despite being all that she is and amazingness, we all, you know, so often we have self-limiting beliefs and now Mm -hmm. growing up with what I have, I don't want to, I don't want to act. My second child has no self-limiting beliefs, which she is a hard to raise child, uh, you know, because she's going (laughs) to do whatever she wants. But this one, you know, is very, uh, obedient, so to speak. So anyway, so it's a good, a good thought that it's really not too, at no point is any child too young to be instilling positive values and positive thoughts. I mean, obviously, right. We can start that in the womb. So, yeah. And there's, there's definitely a way to do it as well. I mean, uh, I like to think, and, and I talk about this a lot on the show and in the book, actually, um, I'm not a big fan of personal development as an industry. I think that it's a natural part of being human. Like I think that the the reason that that humans have uh, moved from sort of where we started as a species to where we are now is because there's something ingrained in us that wants to make progress. And the the reason I bring that up is because it is a natural part of being human, you can take that and layer it on top of whatever somebody's interested in. Like growth doesn't have to be an activity. It can be a byproduct of the things that you're already doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I want to get back to this. Like, how do we do personal development? Actually, let's talk about that now. What is so if you can you expound on that a little bit more? How do yeah. you suggest someone go about adding this to their life? Because that's the tricky part. How do you make this constant? Right? How do you make yeah. it all the time where it's kind of just unanimous? Like, life goes with this automatically. It's not like something you're intentionally trying where you have to, I'll go back to that, get on the horse or off the horse. We always have these on the horse, off the horse things. People say, <laughs> oh, I'm on the wagon, off the wagon. I'm like, oh, what if we just like always had the wagon? <laughs> I don't know how right. to say that. But, <laughs> but how do you, how do you, uh, how do you say that we should go about personal development, so to speak? Yeah. So uh, first and foremost, it's hard. Uh, so accept that from the start. The second important thing here is that to your point, I believe in sort of building it into your life so that uh, it's not something you necessarily have to think about. And so that does require lifestyle changes. But how do you make lifestyle changes? Well, in my view, and based on uh, the different research documents I've looked through and and articles I've read and so on and so forth, uh, it comes down to identity. So it comes down to how you identify yourself. Who are you in your own mind? Because as humans, uh, we naturally, and I'm blanking on the the psycho uh, the bias, the psychological bias that that causes this, but we naturally want to act in accordance with our identity. When we say we're going to do something, when we think of ourselves as a certain way, we want to take actions that align with that. And so, if we change the way we think about ourselves, our identity we naturally see a change in behavior. And because of the change in behavior, we start to see a change in results. Um, so, so that's ultimately sort of the, the formula for it. Now, let's look at that first piece, identity, because obviously that is challenging. Um, and this is where we get a little bit of like back and forth between it, because if it's true 
that we want to act in accordance with how we identify ourselves, then naturally we'll also want to identify in accordance with how we act. Like the opposite relationship is true as well. And so what that means is if we can't sort of get into our heads and do the deep work to change the way we identify, and maybe that's because of all these limiting beliefs, or maybe it's because uh, we've never thought of ourselves a certain way, and so getting there is, is a, a big hurdle, uh, or, or maybe it's any number of things, then by starting to take some of the actions that someone who does identify as that thing would take, we can start to shift that identity and it makes taking actions easier because of the, the thing we just went through. Um, and this is why I called the show Tiny Leaps, because it's not about going out and trying to change the world. It's not about uh, taking these big, massive uh, leaps towards a thing. It's taking small enough action that it's doable in order to start shifting the way you see yourself, which will then change your behavior overall and ultimately change results. It's this sort of like cool little feedback loop that by by taking the smallest action you can, you gain some percentage of that identity. And then because of the identity change, you start to take more actions. Does that make sense? Yes. I love the people that study this. And I'm going to go ahead and credit you as the pioneer for this concept because I haven't heard this before. So just to recap... When you change the way you think about yourself or your identity, it allows you to change your behavior to be in accordance with that. And then that changes essentially the way you conduct yourself and the habits and the, the things yes. that you do, right? Yes. So given that, that's awesome. We should all let that sink in for a moment because how can we apply that to ourselves, to the family we're raising, to the people around us? I mean, we can only change ourselves, but sometimes I guess I'm a weirdo and like I like to think about things in multiple multiple lenses. But so if we know that if the problem is now identity or our own identity and the way we think about ourselves in self-limiting beliefs, how can someone shift into the identity that they want for themselves? Yeah, so let's let's uh, dive into a really practical example. So I know this show is very health oriented. So let's uh, use uh, going, uh, being physically active, right? So going to the gym, going for a run, whatever it is. Um, let's say that you have not worked out in a very long time. Uh, you really want to. 2019 is your year that you're finally gonna get into the gym and and start doing whatever routine that that you find uh, valuable to you. Um, the biggest hurdle you're going to run into in keeping that behavior is that you don't identify as the type of person who goes to the gym. Like that is not how you see yourself because it's not something you do. And so in order to start shifting that, the very first thing you can do is the smallest activity. Now, this is going to be variable based on your life. So maybe you only have five minutes a day because you have five kids and you're a single father and, and you are working three jobs, like whatever your situation, like maybe you legitimately only have five minutes. So if that's the case, you have to pick something smaller than somebody who might have an hour. And so your first task may not be signing up for a gym membership and going to the gym, your first task might be doing a single push-up. But by taking that small action and doing it repetitively over time, you eventually start to adopt the identity of someone who works out. And because you've done that, it makes it easier when you then decide, okay, I want to wake up an hour earlier so I can find that time to go to the gym. Like all of those bigger activities 
are reinforced by the way you see yourself. I love it. Can you give us another example? That was fun. <laughs> sure. So, um, oh, I'll, I'll give you one from my own life. Uh, so I am historically uh, not great at managing finances. Uh, it's something that I, I work pretty hard on, but definitely growing up, I, I wasn't great at it. And uh, now it's something I'm, I'm trying to sort of shift my, my ide- identity around. And so what I've had to do for myself, the smallest thing that I could do, I, I started doing about a year and a half ago, uh, was just logging into my bank accounts every single day. So I didn't worry about changing my spending. I didn't worry about budgeting or or any of those things. Not right then. I just focused on logging into my accounts and then logging out. That was it. Eventually, what that did was it got me into the mindset of the type of person who manages their money. And then that then allowed me to start creating a budget without having to worry about the hurdle of, well, I'm not good at, at managing money. Because now I'm more in that mindset. And so when I sit down to create the budget, it doesn't seem foreign to me to, to do that. And then after that, it allowed me to start tracking my spending more. Then after that, it allowed me to every single month at the beginning of the month plan out the entire month of, of expenses. And now I'm in this stage where I still wouldn't call myself amazing at it, but I'm doing far better than I was two years ago. Okay. How about if we want to start a writing habit? What would you say to do first? So with a writing habit, I would say that whatever the, the the smallest activity you can manage is, that could be as basic. And I I, I keep driving this point home because I want to make sure it's crystal clear. If you can only write a single word every day, write a single word. Like it's going to seem stupid and it's going to seem silly and you're going to think, why am I even bothering? But the point is to open the journal or open the notebook or open the word pad or whatever it is. And just write. Like ultimately, if you want to be a writer, you need to write. That that is what a writer does. That is the identity that they have for themselves. And so, if you're writing one letter, you're still writing. And and ultimately, that's going to get you to the point where now you're writing two letters. And it might take you. This is something I say a lot on the show. Uh, change might take you twenty years. It might take you twenty years to finally write that novel or to to finally start blogging regularly. Like it might take a while. And you have to be okay with that because ultimately that time is going to pass anyway. Like 20 years is going to happen whether you're you're working towards this goal or not. So you might as well just work towards the goal. Mm-hmm. I love it. There's so many times we make things too big. I always say this. We make things too big all the time and it becomes a big hurdle, a big barrier. And so, you know, I, I recently was working on a writing habit and because – um, anyway, I would say I'm going to open up Evernote, you know, in my digital notebook and do that. And mm-hmm. so sometimes that's the barrier of I have to move from this space to that space and have a charger and all those things, right? Like, so yeah. all of a sudden we snowball. Same with working out, like, oh, well, I don't have enough time to do this or mm-hmm. I'm not dressed appropriately or whatever. But you don't need to be dressed any really certain way to do a yeah. single push up, right? Right. And so actually, I want to I want to uh, piggyback on that really quickly. And, and there's this sort of other piece that I'm so glad you brought this up because I want to make sure I say that um, there is value when you're sort of trying to gain that identity to removing uh, friction. So, for example, just another example from my own life uh, in my business, I want to do more video in 2019. And so one of the things I did to to do that, because my issue with doing video was always I have to break out the tripod, I have to set it up, I have to get the camera on, I have to like figure out the lighting, figure out where I'm going to stand. Like it's, it's this very long process just to even start recording. Um, and so 
uh, my girlfriend and I, we lived together. We lived together for a few years now. We actually moved into a new apartment that has a second bedroom so that I can have a home office, specifically so that I can keep my video setup up. Mm-hmm. And now the the level of friction from, hey, I have an idea to I'm recording is half a second where I just need to turn the camera on. Yeah. And And by removing that friction, I guarantee you that my output is going to be dramatically better than it's been in previous years. Now, is it going to be perfect? Probably not because there's still other factors, but perfect isn't actually what matters. I'm a big fan of uh, this this, uh, statement, uh, progress, not perfect. Pursue change, not like doing it perfectly every time because then you'll just freeze up and not do anything. And, you know, as part of I love these interactions, these podcast interviews, because I'm taking notes the whole time, too. So I'm over here writing develop identity. Maybe my I want my identity to be producing daily because I don't necessarily identify as a person who produces, you know, content daily or whatever, right? I see clients, whatever. But anyway, so I love this. I totally resonate with everything you're saying here. So to kind of recap, in order to make a change, you have to first change the way you think about yourself or your identity, and then that will naturally change your behavior. But while you're working on developing your identity, you have to remove friction and barriers. Otherwise, you will be paralyzed by perfection instead of progress, correct? Uh, yeah. Um, and, and removing friction is just one of a whole plethora of, of strategies, right? Or, or tactics, really. Um, the, the large concept is develop identity and, and that'll change behavior. But the tactics of it is to help you in uh, making behavior changes so that you can develop the identity because remember it's the back and forth relationship uh, removing friction can allow you to sort of take the action easier uh, so that you can do it long enough to gain the identity and then it becomes easier and easier I love it um, how do you how long before you reassess how you're doing right because you sort of need mm-hmm. to assess progress versus do I need to refocus or re-aim yeah. or reshoot like tell us about that piece yeah, so this is this is highly individual. Um, my it, for me, it's very quick, uh, but that's also because one of my biggest flaws is I lack patience, um, and and so I tend to test things very rapidly and make a decision on whether or not I'm going to commit to it within a few days, uh, whereas other people uh, work better when they spend a solid month on something and then sort of uh, analyze. Uh, And so this obviously relates to business or, or my personal life. Uh, When I am starting a new fitness routine, like I will make a decision that first week, if it's something I'm going to keep doing as opposed to, uh, to, to somebody else might do it for a full month and sort of like feel it out. Right. Um, so, so it's highly, highly personal, just sort of based on the way you work. The one thing I would push everyone to do, though, whether you are the type who wants to sit on something and and feel it out or you're you're like me, just sort of rapid fire. Um, I would highly recommend that ultimately you need to get data because data is, is the thing that allows us to make accurate decisions 
And most of us, when we think of our businesses or uh, our jobs, like we're sort of analyzing data all day long. Like how did we perform? Were we productive? Were we not? How are sales numbers this month? So on and so forth. Uh, but we never apply that to our own lives. We never track the things that we say matter to us. We never track how we actually spent that month. month. We never track whether or not we went to the gym and, and these sorts of things. And so um, in your process of feeling things out and deciding whether or not uh, you should switch gears, make sure you are collecting data the entire time so that you can make an actual decision and not just a guess. Yeah, I dig it. Greg, do you go through all of this in Tiny Leaps, Big Changes? Yeah, so I talk about a lot of this there. Um, It's so funny. I'm a big, so I I graduated with an art degree. And uh, one of the things I learned in art school is that, or at least for me, um, the 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 piece never looks like the piece until like the last two brush strokes, mm-hmm. and and so when and and a lot of the work of of getting it there is just figuring out what this piece is going to be. And so when I started writing the book, uh, I had a general idea of sort of what I thought it should be and and sort of the direction that I thought it should go. And as I was working through it, so many things that I had been sort of ruminating on for years or uh, really just sort of thinking through snapped together. Like it was sort of the the last two brushstrokes. So a lot of how I think about these things now actually came because I wrote the book. Like it, it came because I sat down and was sort of forced to organize these thoughts into a certain uh, way that would make sense to others. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that insight. Because I think so often, sometimes we put these things, I mean, I kind of loosely have this, oh, maybe I'll write this book. And because it's like, it's, it's needed by the public, this, this mm-hmm. topic that I would need to write about, but I don't know if I want to sit down and do it in that way. But my point is, is that's really cool. Um, when you're forced to sit down and, and do something it kind of changes the way you look at it sometimes. Yes. Yeah. I, I like it. Greg, if you had to give your gut reaction on, let's say someone's just has a hell of a time following through, um, fixing problems, they set goals and, and don't make movement, um, in those, or they have a lot of self-limiting beliefs. Like what's your gut reaction? What do you tell this person first to get started today? I would say that the number one thing you can do for yourself is to get crystal clear on what it is you want. Uh, that clarity will help you to drive behavior. Uh, and, and so many times when we are setting these sort of goals for ourselves or intentions or whatever you want to call it, uh, we get very vague about it. And, and so we say, well, I want to lose weight this year or I want to uh, make more money or I, I want to read more books. But we never specifically define those things as I want to read 30 books this year or I want to increase my my uh, overall revenue by a thousand dollars a month or I want to lose 22.5 pounds. Like get as specific as you can. And that work of of getting clear and, and getting specific, that's a big part of what helps you to sort of own the goal and, and develop the identity around it. And you're not going to gain the entire identity, but you'll gain some percentage of it and it'll make it easier to start acting on, which is the the step after that. So so the first thing I would always do is just sit down and get crystal clear on what that thing is. Make it measurable. If you don't have measurable, you can't compare the data to the 
you know, current Absolutely. data to the future data. So cool. Um, Greg, where can people find you online? Yeah, so the best place is uh, my website, uh, which is www.gregclunis.com. That's G-R-E-G-G-C-L-U-N-I-S. Uh, that's sort of the, the hub for everything. Uh, however, you can also find me on Instagram. That's just at Greg Clunis. I respond to every single DM I get. So if you want to keep the conversation going, just give me a follow, send me a DM, and let's talk. That's very, very giving of you. Finally, Greg, favorite podcast app. Hey, fellow podcaster over here, you can go over to Greg's podcast, Tiny Leaps. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just have to ask because last year <laughs> Apple changed the podcast app and I'm like, I can't find anything anymore. And I found a new one the other day <laughs> that I like. Just curious what you like. So I'm curious what you what you found. Well, I just Googled this, obviously, right? Like all of a sudden I realized I just can't handle this anymore. Like I can't find yeah. anything. Nothing shows up. It's how could you do this, Apple? You're so intuitive usually. Yeah. Um, so I think what I was I, – I don't remember what it was called in the Google searches, but they changed their name to the podcast app actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I do most of my listening on CastBox. Um, I'm not positive if it's my favorite, but uh, I, re- I about a year ago, I switched from an Apple device to an Android device, and uh, I was not a fan of most of the Android tools, so, so CastBox ended up winning out. Yeah, cool. I actually forgot a really important question midway through our conversation. Actually, at the beginning of our conversation, you said you're an immigrant from Jamaica. I'm always really impressed by all the immigrants. Well, not all, but like the handful of immigrants I've had the opportunity to interview. They're always amazing interviews, too, by the way. I'm sure it's coincidental. But as I think about it, I think of that. And there's never an accent remaining. And I was going to say, hey, can we just finish? Can we actually um, do the rest of the interview in your Jamaican accent? If you can pull it it from the depths of your six-year-old self. (laughs) Yeah. So fun fact that I'm actually I have no idea whether or not I ever had an accent uh, because my memory of it and what I was told growing up was it, so in Jamaica at the time, you couldn't speak in schools with an accent uh, because Jamaica was colonized by uh, the, the like Great Britain. And um, they gained their freedom in the 60s. But a lot of the like rules and stuff were sort of left over. So you couldn't speak with it in schools. Um and my understanding was that growing up, my family, my parents sort of wouldn't allow people to speak with it uh, in front of me because they ne- didn't necessarily want me to pick Aww. it up. Uh, however, I've since received competing data with that information. Uh, two, no, three of my cousins have come out saying that I did used to have an accent. I just have zero memory of it. So it's an it's an interesting journey to discover whether or not young Greg ever spoke with an accent. But it is thankfully something that uh, because I've been around it my entire life, like I obviously understand it perfectly. And even when you get uh, closer to it being a language rather than just an accent where we have words that have no translation, like like that stuff, uh, it comes pretty naturally. So um, I like to say that I am not necessarily bilingual, but if you count it as half a language, then I've got one and a half. <laughs> I love it. And I saw that you and your girlfriend recently went to Jamaica. I don't know how often you visited Jamaica. Um, do you have any trips, suggestions for people visiting Jamaica? And I wish you would just like pull out a, a like your best impression of a Jamaican. <laughs> it would make me really happy here at the end, Greg. <laughs> 
I'll 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 save you and the listeners from that. Okay. Um, as far as recommendations, uh, I would say that. I mean, wherever you are going, uh, there's a lot of great um, like resort areas. Uh, but Jamaica is, as much as I love the country and I love the fact that I'm I'm from there, uh, it's more dangerous than I think people realize um, because it's, it's sort of thought of as a tourist spot. So I, I wouldn't necessarily give advice as far as where to go because it, it's all great. Uh, just be more careful than you probably think you should be. All right, cool. That's it. reasonable advice. All right, Greg, I enjoyed our conversation. Sorry for getting off track here at the end. I'm just no, not a, a wanderlust and obsessed <laughs> with accents and whatever. So I love this. This show uh, will probably be titled How to Follow Through and Fix Yourself or Fix Your Problems. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I really enjoyed it and I uh, hope you, to talk to you again. Thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute honor and, and I hope that somebody out there listening got something out of it. I know that they will. All right. Talk to you soon. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stress Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stress Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 